Hello and thank you for joining us for the latest Marketing Week Explores podcast. My name is Lucy Tesseris and I'm the Features Editor at Marketing Week. I'm joined today by our editor Russell Parsons and senior writer Charlotte Rogers. Hello. Hi. It's January which means it's that time of year again when we launch our annual career and salary survey and this year is no different. Now in its 21st year we have again surveyed thousands of marketers, more than 4,000 this year, to benchmark the industry across a number of measures including salaries, opportunities for career development, workplace wellbeing and diversity. This year, for the first time, we also surveyed marketers on their routes into the profession, something we were keen to explore further after our research last year revealed a a distinct lack of interest in marketing as a career option among young people. But first, something else we've done for the first time this year is look at the different career opportunities and challenges marketers face, depending on the size of company they work in. Charlotte has been analysing the data, and there's lots of it. Um, What were some of the key findings um, you found when looking at the results split out by company size? Yeah, there was so much to look at. So... I, I kind of saw there was sort of a breakdown between things that small companies did really well. Um, and it's this whole equation about risk and reward. So actually, if you're working in a startup or a really smart company, um, you get exposure to many different things. Um, so understanding was really high. Actually, people in small companies, have, we're talking about one to nine people, um, felt the most understood. Uh, 49.5% of those people versus only 309 in a business of over 250 people. So I think we're just kind of asking marketers, why do you think this is? And I suppose the idea that, um, you know, in, in a multinational, many people are doing marketing. They're all kind of doing different jobs. No one really knows what another person is doing. So you might feel like what your, your individual impact is less well understood. Another thing that small companies did really well in um, is fair financial rewards, actually. So we asked, um, how good is your company at providing, you know, do you feel uh, well remunerated? And one to nine people, uh, companies of one to nine people, they were the most likely to feel like they were getting a good wage and a fair wage. And again, I sort of wondered why, why this was. And um, Marcus I was talking to was saying, you know, in smaller companies, uh, they can be very results driven and you can see the results really quickly. And it could be very much based on your performance and that could involve, um, you know, you could feel more integral, uh, it could be more bonuses because it's kind of been driven by you. And also um, great exposure to the sales and conversions. So a greater idea of kind of justifying what you're set your salary is versus in some kind of multi-billion pound turnover business where you're not really sure why you're paid what you are. Um, Again, another thing that small businesses, talking about these really small businesses of one to nine people did really well was career advancement. That kind of surprised me, but um, I guess in these high growth small businesses, marketers, their career is kind of evolving the trajectory of the business. So if it's doing really well and it's taking off, there's a much smaller ladder. You don't have to wait for someone to leave or kind of negotiate yourself around a really big organisation. And you're gaining a lot of skills because you might be working really closely with sales, you might be working really closely with operations. Um, So actually when people do move on, you know, you could become a marketing director really quickly. So they were doing, yeah, really great for small businesses in that sense. But actually, there were other um, occasions where bigger businesses shone. Job security was the big one. Um, And I suppose this kind of makes sense. So businesses of 50 to 249 people, um, which isn't massive, but it's one of the the bigger categories that we split out at. Uh, 77% of marketers in those businesses felt that their company offered good job security or very good and it dropped down to 56.9 uh, in one to nine person businesses and I suppose it's that idea that you are more vulnerable in a smaller company mm. that's the risk that you might have you might feel like you'd be you know you've got great pay you've got having a great experience you're happy but if one thing goes wrong if kind of one listing doesn't go your way or, or sort of one order doesn't come off um, 
you are vulnerable. Um, so you are, you know, a bigger fish in a small pond, but that does carry a level of risk. And it's something that marketers need to think about and where they are in their career is whether you're really, you know, you have the appetite for that kind of risk at that time in your life. Mm. Another thing that smaller businesses were falling down on is formal training. And kind of the idea that bigger businesses, 250 plus organisations, 59, you know, almost 60% of marketers working in those businesses uh, feel that they have access to really great formal training and that drops significantly in the smaller businesses. Um, I suppose the idea that smaller businesses are often focused on kind of getting things done quickly, they don't really have time to kind of put resources and, and extra money into training and often when I was talking to marketers they were saying often these smaller businesses onboard people at the level they need and upskill later because they want to grow and it's all about, you know, uh, growing and also like I guess budgets too. Mm. The other um, main thing was clear communication of vision. And this was at its very best in the biggest companies. So we're talking 250 plus people. 60.7% uh, of marketers said that the vision was very well um, communicated. This dropped down to 48.8% in 10 to 49 person businesses. And again, I suppose I was asking marketers why they thought this was, and they were saying that, um, you know, it is all about making a conscious effort to talk about the vision um, and articulate that vision and not just assume that because you mentioned it in a meeting, every single person within the organisation knows what it is. Mm. And I suppose in a very small company, you might sit really close to the founder so you, you totally understand what's going on. And then in a really big business, um, you know, they're putting money into internal comms and making sure that that works so people know what's going on. But in between, there's this area where businesses start to stretch. So you might be further away from the founder, you know less of what's going on. So you feel like you know, the vision has changed as the business scales and they don't then have enough money as yet to kind of put into like having this really formal internal comms team. So this kind of bit in the middle where marketers feel like the vision, they're kind of losing a sense of what the purpose and the vision is. Yeah. So marketers face a bit of a trade-off then between kind of training and job security at larger firms versus influence and impact at um, smaller businesses. Absolutely, yeah, they do. Another thing that they might want to take into consideration is the board, so where, where marketers are most likely to be on a board, um, if, if that matters to them. But um, they're most likely to be in a 250-plus person business. So you're talking 56.4% of marketers in those businesses said that there was a marketer on the board. That drops to 18.7% of people in the one- to nine-person businesses. So if there is a marketer on the board and, you know, only just over half of those businesses do have one, but it is much likely to be a bigger business. Um, and when they do have one at all, it's much more likely to be a man. So 54.5% of those cases, it's a male marketer versus 45.5% is a female marketer. So that's another thing to bear yeah. in mind as well. Brilliant, thank you. Um, another um, thing which I mentioned earlier um, that we've paid particular attention to this year is the way marketers enter the industry. Um, Russell, what stood out in particular for you? There were several things, but before I go on to reveal what my key <laughs> takeaways were, I just wanted to uh, sell the career and salary survey that <laughs> little bit harder. It is by far the biggest of its kind and a really insightful benchmark of the state of the marketing industry as a career destination. The routes to marketing angle, I think, as you pointed out, is the first time we've looked at that. It struck me that there wasn't really an audit of where people came from and how they arrived in marketing, and we were very keen to make sure that we gave some insight as to where people did come from and how they arrived. And it links, as you inferred in your intro, back to some of the work that we did last year around the awareness and perception of marketing amongst young people, particularly at undergraduate level and more particularly off school age as well. 
Now, three things stood out. Uh, the, the key takeaway for me was the figure or the percentage figure, 90%. So 90% of marketers are degree educated, our survey found, and that was 4,000 respondents. So it's a very st statistically significant number. So that's 90% of her have got an undergraduate degree. Now, there's nothing wrong with being degree educated per se. I'm degree educated at undergraduate level. What is wrong is put, taking a pool of marketers that are almost, well, not exclusively so, but near on vast majority are degree educated. Despite the democratization and the many changes in higher education and further education, I think it's probably fair to say, not armed with the actual statistics, but I think it's probably fair to assume that it's not particularly diverse or it's not as representative of the UK population as as it should be so in both in terms of ethnicity and social diversity as well now we've written a lot over uh, a long period of time about the virtues of pooling or sorry pulling uh, your team together that is diverse both in regards to gender ethnicity and social diversity with regards to getting different opinions different perspectives and being more representative in most cases of your customer base so it's an issue if the vast majority of marketers are degree educated now the other is very much related the other statistic that i pulled out of that roots to marketing research was 25.7% have a marketing degree. Now, I won't dwell for a moment on the fact that only a quarter of marketers are have a marketing degree. That's not the issue. The issue is that if 90% have a degree and only 25% of those that don't, sorry, that 25% have a marketing degree, then there's quite a lot of people who perhaps didn't go to university with marketing in mind. Yeah. Now, we've written before, and I think this statistic highlights it, that there's quite a lot of people who are sort of stumbling into marketing when they're at university. Yeah. Now, you know, if I'm honest, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do at university, and perhaps you two didn't either. So that's not the issue necessarily. But what I would suggest is that there isn't a love, there isn't a deep affection, there isn't a desire from an early age, therefore, to get involved in marketing and make marketing your destination of choice. So that highlights several different things for me, and, it, and it's a callback to the stuff that we've done with the School of Marketing yeah. and also the work that Charlotte did last year that did find, as I say, low perception and poor perception and lack of awareness of marketing. So recruiters, marketing organisations need to look in more places at more times look younger to engage people in marketing as a career destination both to ensure social and other kinds of diversity but also just recruit from a broader bigger pool of people who are more engaged more interested more want to be marketers in the yeah. first place so those just two statistics particularly stood out the third one is related but it's a slightly different issue 53.8 people uh, sorry 53.8 percent of people <laughs> do not have any kind of training or qualification in marketing at all yeah 
Now, I'm not, again, talking about undergraduate degrees in marketing or postgraduate degrees in marketing. And I'm not even talking about CIM and other qualifications. I'm just talking about a some kind of formal schooling and grounding in the fundamentals of marketing from orientation and strategy through to execution. Now, it is important. You can bring a lot of things to the table if you are a rounded individual with a curious mind who is interested in uh, lots of different things. But you need to know what you're doing as a marketer and you need to call upon established theory as well as practice to be a good marketer. It's not just enough to say, okay, I'll wing it as I'm going along. So it did stand out to me that there were quite a few people, in fact, almost half of people who didn't really have any kind of training. I'm not saying that they're bad at the job, but they would be even better if they had. Yeah, absolutely. Was there anything you wanted to add at all, Charlotte? Yeah, just that um, I think everything Russell said there was really interesting. And one of the things that came out was when people had studied a marketing degree, how useful they found it. So of those that had a marketing degree, 32.2% said they found it very useful. And when I spoke to some marketers, they said they would have liked to see that figure be a bit higher. And the question is whether the degree, um, while interesting, once they got into the workplace, actually, they don't call upon those skills anymore. You know, is it that they've gone past what they learned in their degree and actually, um, you know, it's more about what they're learning on the job. Um, I spoke to people who had done marketing degrees and they said at first it was really useful to them, but now they don't call upon that anymore. They just think about their own experience. So it's a question of how you perceive, how useful, I guess, you perceive your degree to have been. so yeah, and then I guess also just when people decide to pursue the career, there is a difference and it's probably common, um, I guess common sense that the people who studied a marketing degree, uh, 22.8% of them decided to do so at school, but um, that's much lower for people who came into the profession a lot later. Only 10% decided at school and that's of people who did a CIM professional qualification or something similar, so they didn't do a marketing degree. So you can see that actually people who find the career a lot later in life, 41.9% of those decided to be marketers whilst they were employed. So when they come into contact with it, they love it, it's just when do you come into contact with the discipline. Absolutely, which is one of the things that we're trying to push through the School of Marketing to kind of get school-aged children interested and kind of get it on their radar. Mm-hmm. I mean, on. absolutely. I mean, it, 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 I think... The traditional way of the big marketing recruiters of engaging the next generation of leaders within their business, and I'm talking about P&G and Unilever and Mars and Nestle, those kind of organizations, would be to, I'm sure it wasn't as straightforward as this, it was a lot more nuanced, but pitch their stall or stand at, at graduate recruitment fairs and talk about marketing, uh, specifically marketing careers at their organization as a possible route forward. And that's still entirely valid, but you can't stop there. You can't stop there for all the reasons that both Charlotte and I have talked about here. You need to look in more places at more times, both to get that diversity, but also just engage people so that they are enthusiastic. I mean, I don't hold out any hope, but it would be great if my daughter, who's only seven, would think of marketing for all the wonderful reasons that we know it it can be a very rewarding career as an option suspect it's going to be dancing and other things (laughs) for the time being but you know i can hold up some hope for when she gets to (laughs) high school at least brilliant thank you um another hot topic um 
which has been a hot topic for a number of years actually, is flexible working. Um, the industry seems to be slowly kind of getting its head around giving marketers more flexibility in the workplace. But there's still some stumbling blocks, aren't there, Charlotte? Yeah, definitely. There's a clear, really clear appetite for it from marketers. Over 90% said that flexible working was very important or important to them, which is up from 87% last year. And if you think about just very important, that's 53.3% of people this year versus 47.2% last year. So it's very, very important to people. However, only 46.4% of marketers actually have the ability to take flexible working in some way. Um, that is up from 42.6% last year. Um, <clears throat> however, of those that have used it over the past 12 months, just 37.7% have actually worked flexibly. So you can see that there is a massive demand, but actually when it comes down to implementing it, it you know, um, it's not being done in the way that people would want. Another thing is career breaks. Um, Again, obviously a very different kind of thing. This isn't a way of working. It might be sabbatical or some kind of secondment. Um, But 52.4% of marketers say career breaks are very important or important, and that's up from 48.7% last year. But only 7.8% have the opportunity to take one, which is down from 8.3% last year, and only 0.9% have actually done so. So it's such a small amount of people that have actually taken a career break. So you've got the appetite for flexible working, you've got the appetite for career breaks, but it's not quite being implemented in the right way and businesses aren't catching up. With career breaks in particular, it's this idea that you know, there might be a financial barrier. Often these are unpaid an unpaid sabbatical who you know some people feel like they can't take that or when can you ask for it if you ask for it do people question your commitment to the role you know did your role disappear while you were away there are all these things that people worry about and employers may have the desire to to give the opportunity but then are concerned about filling the post and the rest of the people left behind um and well you know when is the right time to let someone do it is it about tenure so there's a lot of questions clearly there's a lot of appetite but there is reticence there and i do think if we're thinking about you know what draws people from an employer perspective if brands can nail this and get a really strong perspective on it it would be really important absolutely I don't know if it came across in the conversations that he had around this I'm not sure we asked a specific question it would have been difficult to do so but do you think that the the lack of flexible working is peculiar to marketers or is it peculiar sorry not peculiar is it just reflective of the fact that it hasn't been embraced embraced by their their employer? So, you know, you could be a marketer or an accountant or a HR professional in that organisation. You still wouldn't have the options that people want, clearly, from what we found out. A bit of both, really. I think a lot of organisations are not catching up to the modern workplace and how people want to work. I think the other thing is that marketing touches so many different departments within a business. And actually, you can't be remote all that much during the week because you might need to to be in touch with operations or you need to sit down with sales or you need to you know it's one of those roles where you touch so many different parts of a business that actually if you if you took yourself away for more than say a couple of days a week and you weren't you know having those conversations face to face actually you know that could be a problem for marketers so I think it is a bit of organizations and it is a bit of the role itself. Thank you. Um, And actually on sabbaticals, we do have an upcoming feature looking more in depth at um, the the type of opportunities that the marketers um, have taken and um, looking at kind of what impact that has had on their their future career prospects as well. So do look out for that um, in the coming weeks also. 
Um, lastly, just to wrap things up, um, which is something that people always find very interesting, um, what were the best and worst paid industries for marketers this year, Charlotte? So best paid was consumer electronics, and that was £62,949. Um, this is on average, obviously, um, followed by FMCG and automotive. Um, last year, not much change. FMCG was the best paid uh, industry in 2018 at £57,196,000. Um, then consumer electronics and gaming and gambling. So there are these kind of, while they switch places a bit, there's these um, sectors that, that seem to be the best paid for marketers. The lowest paid, again, quite similar. Charity and not-for-profit was the lowest at £42,014 on average, followed by the public sector and construction and property. Last year, charity, again, was the lowest paid sector for marketers. Construction and property came in at second and education was third. So there are, um, I guess, again, it's a trade-off of kind of whether you you know, really passionate about the sector and you don't mind about the pay or whether that's something that you're you're thinking about. Brilliant, thank you. Um, so all of the data we've discussed today and much, much more is available um, on marketingweek.com. There's a series of articles there looking um, at the, the, the data and analysing kind of what it means for marketers kind of now and, and in the future. So do go to marketingweek.com um, and take a look. Um, thank you so much to Charlotte and to, to Russell for talking us through everything today. Thank you. Um, that's all we have time for. So thank you for listening. Um, and please do subscribe to our podcast, which you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud, where you can also find episodes of our other podcast, Marketing Week Meets.